Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle instead of Podbean, also on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. That includes the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons there. Plenty of new content, including a new show called The Flame, which actually debuted today on The Heat. Also, check out FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell that one out. We do not have a paywall. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes our friend Eric Rubenstein. If you need a personal injury attorney who happens to be a huge Heat fan and is from South Florida, actually what was Magna Camelotti at St. Thomas, this is your guy. Reach out to Eric Rubenstein at ericrubenstein.com or at Ask About Me, I Got You. That's Ask About Me, I Got You on Instagram. He can handle car accidents, slip and falls, medical malpractice, and more. Again, Eric, uh, if, if you meet Eric, you'll know Eric. He's a He's a personality. And he'll definitely get you your money. That's the important thing. He knows what he's doing when it comes to law. So reach out to him again, 954-829-ERIC. That's 954-829-ERIC. And tell him that Five Reasons sent you. And now, today's episode. Five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. i got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reasons Sports. Just the two of us today. A couple of days between games here. The Heat have a home set. Coming up is like one of those baseball sets with the Charlotte Hornets. We're not exactly sure how this is going to play out because we're expecting a storm down here. So as of now, the Heat's game on Thursday against Charlotte is on. I could anticipate a scenario where maybe if the weather's really bad, they, they come down, but maybe the game's not played till Friday because, again, they play Thursday and Saturday. So we'll see how that plays out here. But the Heat come in at 4-7 and seven after a really disappointing loss against the Portland Trailblazers, led the game late. Um, I'm just speaking from this perspective here. I, I didn't work it. I didn't work the game, but I was in the arena, so I apologize for that. But sometimes I just like to sit with the fans because it gives you a little better idea of kind of the pulse of Heat Nation, so to speak. And I would say the pulse of Heat Nation is kind of flickering off at this stage. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And the theme of this episode, Greg, is – and we're this is a little off the cuff for us, okay? We didn't prep a whole bunch of this stuff. I just kind of want to gather our thoughts here. It feels to me like the Heat are in a position where they need to save this season. And I, I don't want to exaggerate too much, okay? And obviously, you're just 11 games in. In a football season, this is like the equivalent of what? Two games, essentially, when you're talking about a 17-game season, two or three games. Yep. But it just feels like there's a lot of, I don't know, kind of ambivalence, I guess, is the word. Um that has kind of emanated from the team. And now again, when I sat in the crowd yesterday, although obviously people got excited when the heat got up, it seems to be part of the fan base now too. It just feels like we're sleepwalking through the start of the season. Like everybody is. And I've always asked this question when it comes to heat seasons. Okay. And I've asked this many times before when they've gotten off to slow starts, 
Are they going to make this a season that matters and is and is remembered or not? Because really, that's it. Because when we talk about winning or misery, championship or bust, and I know this debate was going on on Twitter today because there are a lot of people who are sort of pounding their chest because no moves are made this offseason and they want to be right more than they want the team to win. But I, there is a, di- a dichotomy here. I don't think it's it's winning or misery. I don't think it's championship or bust. I think it's, is this going to be a season that you remember or not? The 0304 season was not a championship season, but we remember it. That team started 0-7. They finished 42-40. and 40. It was the Dwayne Wade rookie season. It was the Udonis Haslam rookie season. You, you mentioned 0304 to a Heat fan, okay, who's at least – you know, 25 to 30 years old, they will remember that season, right? Uh, the 0405 season, the season was Shaq, didn't end in a championship, but people remember that season. That was a transformative for the organization, right? Um, even the 16-17 season, which started 11 and 30, and obviously, you know, you hope that the Heat don't start that way. We don't think that they will. People do remember that year, even though it didn't end up in a playoff spot. They missed by one game because of the 30 and 11 finish, the 13 game winning streak, okay, with Ocaro White, right? Dragic and uh, yeah, Dragic and Waiters. People remember that season. They made that season meaningful. 15 16, that team started just two games over 500 at the All Star break. Chris Boss, you know, had a relapse then with the, the blood clots, but people remember that season because Luol Deng was inserted for Chris Bosch as the starting four. They picked up Joe Johnson. They made it within one game of the Eastern Conference Finals. And then there are other seasons that like even the most, you know, passionate Heat fans don't remember or don't care to remember. Like nobody really remembers the 0102 season. Okay. It just no. right. Yeah. The Kendall Gill Rod Strickland team. <laughs> no, 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 nobody remembers it, right? Okay. Uh the the 1415 season, the year after LeBron. You can pretty much stop there. It was the year after LeBron. That's all you're ever gonna say about it. There's Henry Walker making a last second shot. I remember Jason Jackson interviewing him on the court, trying to figure out if his name was Henry or Bill. You don't remember anything else from that year, right? Like even the Dwayne Wade farewell tour year, like other than Dwayne and the last dance stuff, and obviously, you know, the pass to Haslam, you know, for the triple double. Do you remember anything else about that year? Like that year was no. That saved that season. That's and that's this team looks listless and um, lethargic. That's that's what I want to get to. The the comparison to me, and then two years ago, which you know people were afraid that there might be a comparison there because of running it back, but nobody do like when we got to the end of that year, we were trying to remember like meaningful wins that season. There was one against the Nets when Bam made a shot. There was a good win against Portland. Like other than that, like you don't remember anything about that year two years ago. And even Eric Spolstra said to me, it just felt like an extension of the previous year where they went to the finals. Well, this feels like an extension that's gone even worse so far. So I'll ask you this, okay? Because we'll get into prescriptions, but can they make this season matter? Because I, I, I just that's that's my concern as somebody who is going to have to podcast about this team for the next five months. Can they make it yeah. matter? We share that concern. Um, it's, you know, this is an interesting thing to discuss because they're, they are just two games out of the five seed. And when you talk about the Eastern Conference, like the fact that they um, basically, if they were to win two, three straight and, you know, teams jockeying for position, lose certain games, all of a sudden you see yourself in the five seed and you don't feel so bad. So there's a little bit of that. It's just really, really small samples. But to your point, I think the disposition of the team has not been 
it's hard not to make a link between um, an off season that was very quiet and very stat quo to a season that's starting very um, you've talked about them looking almost entitled as if they can coast. And I just don't think that they, that that's even an option. And now they run the risk, particularly, you know, you're four and seven, you've played awful at home. Your home record is, no good that's usually an indicator of a bad heat season and when that when the home record is not is not doing well um and now you have this home and home with charlotte who's right directly below you in the standings if this doesn't go right you start to get in that spot where i think the fan base begins to panic the team gets frustrated the record looks bad you're in the 12 13 seed in the eastern conference and it starts to get hard to figure out ways to get up for the rest of the season even a transaction for some um semi star not even an all star just like a semi star of some kind is not going to make you say oh that changes the complexion of this team if you're 10 games below 500 so they're in a in a delicate spot where First, they got to weather this storm and then they got to figure out, do we actually use the limited assets we do have to try to save this season? Or is that not even really worth doing that and sacrificing what you do have? So there's a lot of predicaments and uh, it's going to be fascinating. Like this is the other part of it. Everybody like has existential dread about what's going to take place with the heat this stuff will get figured out. And to me, it's going to be more fascinating how it gets navigated versus it being like some um, indictment on the, on the franchise or something like that. But you use the word panic about the fans and we'll get into prescriptions after the break, but I don't think it's going to be panic. I I think it's going to be again, ambivalence that that's the issue here. And, And here's the thing when you've established a standard like the heat have, okay where you are going for championships or and you, you do make the conference finals two of the last three years. You made the finals one of the last three years. You did it unexpectedly because this was a franchise for a couple of years that looked like they were in the mud, stuck in the white side contract, stuck in the James Johnson contract, the Deion Waiters contract, the Kelly Olenek contract, although you might like to have him back now at a different price. Th- that was, you, you've established, you know, that this is what you're going for. I mean, you were close. You were with a shot within a shot of the finals last year, okay? And and a finals that may have been winnable. I don't know that they win it, but they would have been in it with Warriors, I believe. And, and now you're in a position where it's just like, it just feels stale. And, and I know that's what they were afraid of, and that's what some of the fan base talked about when you are, quote-unquote, running it back. The, the idea that this is about P.J. Tucker, to me, is ludicrous because – I think the results would be virtually the same with PJ Tucker. I, I don't know that that makes a huge difference. I understand, obviously, that Caleb's, play, Caleb's playing out of position. We're going to do an episode exclusively on him on Friday. I think Brady and Alex are going to join me for that one. But I don't know that this would be a whole lot different with PJ if the mentality of this team, unless PJ was going to drive. I mean, look at Philadelphia. I mean, he hasn't yeah. driven them to anything of any significance at this stage. I, I don't know that he would have, I mean, you know, pulled them all into shape here so that everybody would seem to care. They look to me too much. And again, I was watching it as a fan last night. Okay. Or with the fans, like a team that during points of the game, not the whole game. Okay. Some games, they, some, sometimes they seem engaged. The ball is moving. They're connected defensively, but there are too many pockets of the game where they just either forget who they are or don't care who they are. And they have no identity right now. That's, that's my concern. They've always been able to hang their hat on something when they're a good team. 
It's neither side right now. It's not the defense. It's not the offense. All of their advanced metrics are awful. The only thing that they do well, okay, that's not sort of bottom 12 of the league is shoot free throws. And they don't get to the line enough to make that matter. And so you're like, okay, what are they good at? Like even the Utah Jazz, I did this new podcast I'm doing with Brady, the step back for fan side. And like we spent seven minutes on the Utah Jazz talking about their ball movement, their connectivity, the fact that guys all seem to know their roles. Literally, that thing, that team was thrown together to tank, okay, and they, with yep. a new head coach, and they found an identity that he'd have, and you and I agree, a top three head coach in the NBA, and I don't know that he's two or three, and th- there's nothing right now. Like, it just – it's and the excuse that, okay, Oladipo or Yurt, let's stop with the Yurt thing. I don't <laughs> – I don't want to get too deep into this. Like, this is where we're at, though. Like, yeah. to your point, Yurt – that isn't that big of a deal. PJ Tucker, this is not the deal breaker. Stop. You're so right about those things. So then I ask, like, what the hell happened? Like, how did this all of a sudden become such a uh, situation where whatever you had in the balloon has just been completely let out? And it's so that that's weird to me that the team could but basically Greg, isn't be. It, the so same. could it be? You and I have talked about this off air. Could it be more? That the the that not that moves were not made. There's gonna be a lot of double negatives in here. Not that moves were not made. Not about the players that the Heat didn't acquire. Okay, which again most people are focused on. They didn't get this guy. They didn't get this guy. They didn't replace this guy. They didn't bring in a four. But it's more about the players expecting there to be players acquired or moved. Yep, I right? think so. It, it seems more like I, I don't think it's that they didn't add a four. Do they need a four? Yes. D- does Caleb Martin need to move back? Which I he's a very good player. He's a rotation player. I like the contract for him. Caleb's done nothing wrong. We I, we keep saying this in the podcast. He's done what they've asked him to do. It's just not what he should be doing. <laughs> That's the thing. Okay. So you know, and I had hopes for it, but it's it's not going to work long term. I'm watch again when you're watching it from the perspective I was yesterday. Where I knew I didn't have to work. I didn't have to go to the locker room afterwards. I didn't have to podcast. And I'm just watching the game and experiencing with other people. And I'm just watching the Heat look small everywhere. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm watching this, and that's not about Yurt. I want to go back to this thing. Like, we don't even know that Yurt would have played ahead of Deadman consistently. Deadman's been fine the last three, four games. So the idea, again, that you Yurt was not going to start no matter what. Spo tried it for one preseason game. It looked totally clunky. It wasn't going to happen again. Oladipo, yes, they were counting on Oladipo. But he doesn't solve a lot of their problems. I mean, he, does, he doesn't solve their offensive rebounding problem. He doesn't solve their connectivity problem because a big issue with him last year was that it didn't look like he was on the same page as other players on the court. So I don't know that he would have, that would, he would have helped that either. But I, I think, and you and I've hit, I, I think it's that this team, the, the core players on this team were expecting something to change to catalyze them yeah. and to make it seem like the front office was pushing them forward. And you and I both agree with a lot of the front office's reasoning on why they did what they did. And the Durant, Trade requests threw everything up in the air because I don't think they would have held out the way they did. But it was Kevin Durant. You hold out for Kevin Durant, okay? So that he, he kind of screwed them in that sense, okay? But I, I think it's more that they they expect – they just they, – they look like they just – I don't know. They're, they're just – they're floating right now. Like they're – and they're almost waiting for somebody to save them. And, and the front office didn't save them. You're right. And, like, so that's, like, where, where they – they got to that spot, that spot where Jimmy takes the shot and then they're eliminated. 
and um, they were running on fumes. And I feel like those same fumes have kind of just bled into this season. And you're, and you're right. Like there had to be some level of them thinking there's going to be some reinforcement that comes. And it's not just guys that have already been on the roster. Uh, So then when you add absolutely nothing new to the mix, that's going to necessarily be like a veteran rotation level piece, lose PJ Tucker, who, I mean, he still was barking on that back line and, and, and communicating and stuff like that. I don't, to your point, I don't know that, you know, locking him up to a three-year deal at the full mid level would have been the prudent approach either, but um, to not replace him at all, like I could understand where you would feel deflated as a team when you go out there and you now see that you are undersized, you're playing eight in November like that tells me that Spolstra is like trying to pull out every stop to hold it together, to just get them through. That's not normal. You shouldn't coming off an Eastern conference finals birth where you got to game seven, one shot away. You should not have to play in November of the next season and have literally no margin for error. Like that's just, it doesn't happen when you bring back the same team. You would at least think that they could sleepwalk their way through 500 or so basketball. And so that's why this transcends X's and O's. And that's where this gets tricky on how they go, how they navigate it, who they move, how big of a move they look to make. Because they can't just let this ride because I feel like it can rot if they do. I do too. And I also look at some of their players individually. And typically when you have a situation where a team is underperforming, if you're going to say they're underperforming, okay, which I think we can agree they are, they were again, a shot from the Eastern conference from, excuse me, from the NBA finals. And now they're four and seven that is underperforming. Okay. Under any metric that you want to use, but also Gabe Vincent, Looked really good to me last night. Max Struess has improved as a player. There's no question about it. Again, I think Caleb has improved as a player. He's just in the wrong role. So you have three of your your rotation guys. It's not like they've gotten worse, right? Bam hasn't gotten worse. He may not have made some of the improvements that you want. Lowry, we've discussed Lowry enough. There are moments that are good. There are moments that are not so good. Obviously, that contract is a bit of an issue. Okay, Duncan Robin, but again, that's that's a contract. Okay, that's not. I mean, game to game, you're watching what he's doing on the floor. Duncan Robinson, we didn't expect him to have a big role this season. I would hoped he'd be a little bit more consistent than he's been. Um, you know, where he's had some of these really awful games, these other games that are that are pretty good. But again, you weren't counting on him to any great degree. Dwayne Dedman had a really rough patch for three or four games. He's played a little bit better of late, but at most he's a backup center. I mean, I, you know, your, your fortunes are not going to turn on whether it's him or it's your. So again, we haven't discussed Jimmy a whole lot and we should. Okay. And we're probably going to, I think tomorrow, maybe we devote the entire podcast to Jimmy and we should talk about his season so far. But I guess one of the issues here for me is that it's not like you can just look at it and say, okay, eight guys are just playing poorly. All of their metrics are terrible. I mean, Hero didn't play last night. You can't blame it on him. The ball movement was better with the starters than it's been with him. No question about that. Watching it from the stands, it's obvious. The spacing is better. But you might have been able to use him in the fourth quarter when things fell apart, and you didn't have him last night. So I don't know about blaming him for everything that's happened or his insertion into the starting lineup, even though it's been clunky. So again, it's not like the, 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 the front office can say, okay, these six guys are all underperforming and they'll rise to a certain level. It seems like most of them are at least performing reasonably close to what they've performed 
And yet the team is still bad right now. Four and seven is bad. Right. So yeah, like they're not greater than the sum of their parts or however that saying goes, they're less than, and that cannot be, this roster was built to do the opposite. It was to be maximized and guys play above their um, kind of maybe league stature and things like that. And so when that doesn't happen, that's where you're floundering and you feel like you, so then to me, I'm like, okay, so then the very, the, the top paid guys should be playing well. Well, Jimmy's playing well. Bam is playing pretty damn well. Tyler is scoring well. There's things that could be cleaned up there. And Kyle even has played better lately. Let me give him that credit. And they're still, um, I mean, they're three games out of the five seed, but it hasn't been pretty. And with these two against Charlotte, if something goes bad, two games in Miami, that's where I think like you come to a breaking point. And that's so like, that's really the, the what's on the horizon for them is that kind of stretch can, can literally be backbreaking for the rest of the season. I mean, they're behind the nets with everything that the nets are dealing with. Right. And then you have other players that were acquired to other East teams. Like DeJounte Murray has been tremendous for Atlanta. That's a team we thought Miami was going to stay ahead of. There are some worrisome trends here. That, that's all I'll say, because like you said, that is the issue. This team has to be better than the sum of their parts. They have a ton of undrafted guys, guys who are great stories, but a lot of them are undrafted for a reason. It means that there is a ceiling there somewhere that they're going to bump into. So they have to bring out the best in each other. It's not happening right now. If this was another team, another franchise, we would go to the coach. We'd say, why is the coach not bringing it out of them? But we know this coach is capable of that because he's done it a million times before. So I'm not going to go there right now. Okay. I mean, if this continues, if it's 30, 40 more games into the season and Eric still can't get them to play the way he wants them to play defensively, offensively, can't get them to commit to 48 minutes, then you have to look at the coach, no matter how good the coach is. Okay. No matter how good we know he is, doesn't mean we're going to call for him to get fired. You're never going to hear that from me. Okay. But I'm just saying like, it's, it, it does make you kind of wonder, okay, what is the trigger going to be for them to make this season matter? And we'll get to it after the break. But the other thing to take into consideration here, right? This has become a heat town for a lot of reasons, but the biggest reason is because they win, right? And because the football franchise does not win. And the football franchise has embarrassed itself for the last 25 years. I've covered them for a long time also, kind of as my, the secondary team that I cover they're no longer embarrassing themselves. They finally have hired the right coach. They have a franchise quarterback, which I've been telling people for a while, but now everybody's catching on to it. They've got probably the biggest star in the market right now. I mean, Jimmy's there, but Tyreek Hill is, <laughs> is having a historic season. You can argue that Tyreek Hill is right there with the likes of Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, and others' acquisitions over the years in terms of transforming a franchise. There's a great energy around that team right now. There's not a great energy around the heat. And this is the first time I can think 2008. Okay. 2007, 2008, the heat obviously had went 15 and 67, right? That fall, the Dolphins started one and three had the wildcat season, won the division. The heat season started that late October, late November. So in the middle of that dolphin season, but that's literally before that heat season started. That is literally the last time that the dolphins were more fun than the heat. Okay that early 2008 okay that's <laughs> october of 2008 they're more fun than the heat right now like yeah. i p- people are excited to go to this dolphin game on sunday 
right. there was a weird energy in the building last night. I, I don't know. It's uh, that that's it, what I perceived. I, I feel like fans that there's a, uh, and maybe rightfully so. And, and I guess we will find out, right. I feel like that the fans are, um, of the notion that this team is kind of capped out, that they have done as much as they can do, that they got uh, as far as they can get in that game seven last year. And I just feel like subconsciously everyone expected there to be some sort of upgrade because when you're this close and you're the Miami heat, you tend to take big swings. You don't tend to be careful. Like that's just not what they've tended to do. So um, the fan base is conditioned to expect big things. And so when you don't see that happening to your point, also with the dolphins, um, everything has come together for them at a perfect moment. And the fans have been waiting for that. So like for them to shift their attention to the dolphins is really easy right now. It's like a seamless move to find another team that's having some success. I am also super excited. I mean, the Waddle, it, I mean, Jalen Waddle would be a number one re- receiver on m- most teams. And, and you know, you're talking about Tyreek Hill. There's a lot of legitimate talent on the Dolphins to watch. So it's just an interesting moment in time. It'll be fascinating to see how the hell they figure this out, though, because uh, it's been it's just a weird season. You're right. And but we we felt it from before the season started, frankly. And we discussed it, but we also thought that they would figure out a way. And when I was in the Bahamas and seeing the optimism, you know, from Eric Spolstra and others, I got caught up in it a little bit too, but you're right. These two games against Charlotte, like they need to sweep these two. Like there, there can't be any doubt about these can't go down to a last second shot where we're talking about what the play call was. Like, this is a team you, you're more talented than this team. Like, even with, with the limitations on the talent in some places in the roster, you're better than this team. This is this Charlotte team is not even a play-in team this year. You need to beat them twice. You need to beat them twice handily. We'll see how that goes. When we come back, though, we are going to talk about possible trigger points. Like, what could change this dynamic here? Because all we talk about is a trade. Is there anything they can do internally to sort of change the trajectory of this season. Cause I, I don't, I don't love where it's going right now. Okay. Our sponsors, make sure you check them out. Our product code five RSN. That's the number five RSN three different places that you can use that. If you're a better go to betteredge.com. Okay. Use that code five RSN. You get $20 to play. This is peer to peer betting. So this is legal. This is legal in the state of Florida. This is not offshore. You're not going to be having to send like your ID to someplace in Costa Rica to get your money. Okay. Not that I've ever done that. Okay, betteredge.com, betteredge.com. Again, that's with an O, betteredge.com. We run we run competitions on the NFL games, uh, bet 10 games every Sunday with Sean Rochester, me, and others there. I will say uh, Tony Schwartz has been close to winning a couple times, but hasn't broken through yet, I don't believe. Go to betteredge.com, use the code 5RSN. Also use that code for all your premium CBD, the tincture, the sports cream, the gummies. They got a new sports cream there as well, therapistpreferred.com. 5RSN, you get 25% off at therapistpreferred.com. And for all your grooming products below the belt, also in addition to the razors, uh, you get the deodorant, you get the cologne. They send you a bunch of free stuff. Go to Manscaped. I tell you, they have great customer service there. Use the code 5RSN, number 5RSN, 20% off. So therapistpreferred.com, betteredge.com, and also manscaped.com. Use the code 5RSN. We also mentioned prize picks. Our code there for our fantasy partner is 5 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So what changes this? Because we have talked about tweaks that have happened over the years. Um, you know, some, some just on the roster itself, like I'll go back even further. Okay. The year 2000, Zoe gets sick. Okay. That was a team that was constructed to win right away. Okay. And may have one big, okay. 2000, 2001, you had a potential starting lineup of what was it? Tim Hardaway, uh, who still could play at that point. I think he was probably, I don't want to say it. He was at Kyle Lowry's level right now or a little higher, I would say, in the 99, in the 2000, 2001 season, somewhere around there, uh, maybe a little better. You had, you had Hardaway, you had Eddie Jones, you had Brian Grant, Anthony Mason, Alonzo Mourning, and Bruce Bowen. That, that was your core. Okay. I don't, was Marley still on the team? I think he was actually. So that might have been seven. And then, of course, Zoe gets sick. Uh, they have a transformation. And when Zoe got sick, the original move was to play Dwayne Coswell at the five. Uh. That was Pat's solution. The Temple product. I don't know if you remember Causey. Nice guy. Everybody liked Causey, but I don't want, I mean, really couldn't play. I mean, he really couldn't play. I mean, he was, he was uh, in, in that day and age, and we're talking more than 20 years ago, there were just a lot of fives, okay, who were just on NBA rosters because they were tall. That was it. He was a really good shot blocker in college. Still kind of had that skill, very clumsy offensively. Pat's instinct was center goes out, start Dwayne Coswell. But that didn't last very long, okay? He made the change to play Brian Grant. Uh, Mason uh, slides in at the four, ended up having an all-star season. May you rest in peace. Bruce Bowen slides in at the three. That team took off. We've talked a lot about what happened with with Chris Bosh in 2015-16. A lot of other ways that they could have gone. We talked about it at the time. Okay. Solutions that they had in-house. The solution that Eric Spolster went with was let's unleash this thing with Luol Dang at the four. Not a traditional four, not even a great kind of three-point shooter, but just Luke could do a lot of different things. They used him as a cutter. That team took off. Is there a tweak like without a move that would change the trajectory is there something that would change the energy of this team? Because I, I feel like we keep coming back to this. It's the energy of this team that is off right now. Like, what what do you do? I mean, putting Max Struess for Tyler Hero, like, uh, to mm. me, that's going to make the energy on this team worse because Tyler was kind of promised a starting job, at least statistically, hasn't done anything to lose it. Like, what do you do? I think that there's probably – at least some fans that would say, okay, let's go back and look at that Bam Yurt thing again and see if that infuses some sort of energy into this on the rebounding side. But I think that that's, I mean, come on, are we really thinking that that's the solution? Because if you're talking about personnel, there's not really much else that I can see on this roster that's going to um, give them that kind of shot in the arm. It's just, it's not on this team. So then the other thing, if you're talking about, what could make this change? Uh, 
how about no longer be the 20th uh, three-point percentage team at 34.4% and get up around the second or the third best shooting team for three, four weeks in a row? Like that can maybe string together some victories. You start to get some momentum. You get guys get their confidence back. People fall into roles and then you buy yourself some time. So I feel like you have to hope that the shots fall and that the offense gets better or that you just absolutely suffocate teams on defense. But to the point with that, the speed of the game is up this year. Transition points are up throughout the entire league. Teams are trying to push. I don't know that it's necessarily viable to expect to fix this all defensively and by rebounding. So the other part of it that can just kind of transcend the numbers and people not mixing or the team feeling stale is when shots go in. So I feel like that's probably the best option that can stem the tide for them to then try to make a move of some kind is they got to hope that they can make shots for a few weeks. And I know that that's like a weird thing to, to lean into because it seems simple, right? Yeah. Make shots, but I don't really see anything that, that spoke do with the personnel differently that would like make this this look that much different than it already does. Well, he's tried something scheme wise. I mean, playing the zone and Brady, you know, touched on this in his video today. He got away from the zone with about seven minutes left in the Portland game, and Portland's offensive metrics went off the charts when Miami went back to man. The Indiana and game too, it, right? And it, it's almost like, see, here's the fight here from a scheme perspective. The heat way is not to be playing this much zone. It's almost capitulation, right? It's basically saying we can't guard you, man. Yeah. We can't, right? And that is that is anathema to to you know Pat Riley and to a certain degree Eric Spolstra. Like this idea that we can't just you know dig in and stop you from going where you want to go, a lock and yeah. trail, all the things that it's Pat used to preach. Yeah. Right. But but the reality is and you, you've come to this now with your point about how he only played eight. OK, and he didn't have hero, but only playing eight, playing so much zone. It is in a certain way an acknowledgement of limitations. It's, it's an acknowledgement of limitations in the depth of the roster. And it's an acknowledgement of limitations in your ability to just guard straight up like a heat team would guard. But with that being said, they may have lost the game by him deciding to go against that strategy and trying to play man late in the game. So you understand why he's doing what he's doing. Okay. It speaks again to bigger issues. The problem was just saying make shots. And yes, I watched it. They had a lot of shots go in and out. Um, they were shooting at the basket that I was, I was at last night. So you, I mean, you were seeing it. They were, they had clean looks. Okay. A lot of the situations. I, like I said, I thought the spacing was much better last night. We can speak about whether that was because the starting lineup was tweaked or not. It does seem like, they need a Struess or a Robinson in there a lot of times to get shots, okay, for other people just because of the spacing that the two of them create. But they did have a lot of shots go in and out. But I don't know necessarily that, like, to me that's a chicken or the egg thing. Like, okay, if shots go in, maybe this team's energy gets a little better. But I don't think that – that I don't think there's a way to will yourself to making more shots. Like, You're right. To me, Right. So, so that's the thing. Like we talk about if Eric Spolster is going to get in a, in a practice and say, look, we need to play harder. Okay. We need to play harder. He's going to emphasize, you know, again, crispness of cuts, crispness of, you know, making sure the spacing is correct. Right. That there's detail in terms of your offensive sets, but also mostly going to, you know, push the defense thing. You mentioned though, 
they've been bad in transition defense the whole year. Um, and also, you know, this idea again, that their pace was going to be greater. We all called that that wasn't going to happen. I think they're 24th in pace, 24th, 25th. They're always going to be bottom 10. They don't have a lot of athletes. They've got really two athletes. Okay. Caleb and bam, that you would say, or, you know, that are playing. Okay. Jamal Kane is an athlete. He's not playing. So they're not going to be a great transition team. There are times in transition they just look totally lost. Like they've had some two on one breaks that have finished terribly. So that's not really an option. And you are getting to the point where you're kind of almost forgetting all the things they were good at last year. Um, Cause they haven't gotten to those things. And, and yes, a lot of the case, it is just about making shots, but I don't know how you will yourself to that. I don't think there's necessary. I'm agree with you on this. I I've gotten to the point where I don't necessarily think there's a rotation or a scheme tweak that is going to fix this. Um, I think they are going to have to go get somebody from the outside to allow everybody to fall into their natural roles. But I think it's going to be more about the comfort that that gives the players than it is about the actual roles themselves. I think if the players went into this and knew, okay, we have guys in the right slots. Okay. Right now. I don't think, I don't get, I don't know this. Okay. I'm, I'm not having, I'm going to go to practice tomorrow. I'm going to try to, you know, be around a little bit more to kind of hear what I hear and see what I see. But it's just like, I, I don't get the sense there's a confidence in that. I, you know what I mean? And then that starts to filter down where you don't expect to win this team last year expected to win. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that sense down the stretch yesterday. We can say make or miss Struce makes the shot Hart makes the shot. Okay. But like, I, I didn't like, a good heat team closes that game. Yeah, like they, they were up, they, they were up 10 with six minutes to go. You're right. right. You that just comes. finish it. You don't yeah. let it get to that. Right. So, I mean, are you in agree? I mean, are you in agreement with that? Cause we can have Brady and Alex on and we were going to do that and talk. Okay. They can do this and they can do that. And Eric can try this. They can try to, maybe they play Europe with Bam a little bit more, but I don't, I don't think it's that. I think it's, like I said, this team has to be greater than the sum of their parts. The only way that happens is if they connect, they feel connected to each other and they also feel optimistic about what they can be. And those two things have not happened to this stage. Yeah. They got to play with the motor. If they're not bringing that motor, it uh, this doesn't work. This was all predicated on that, that intangible you can't measure why that team is diving on the ground for the loose balls getting putting their face in the way of plays taking charges flying around all these terms that we've been saying forever they don't we don't just pull them out of thin air it's because that's how he teams play and so like until they can get back to that you're right because making shots is not really something that, that you can ask them to do but I don't see anything else that's possible. And that's just for this team to go to be so so high and to now kind of feel so um, out of options. It's just weird to see it tumble that quickly. That's why something just doesn't smell right. Got to win these two. I'm going to close with this, okay? Uh, there's a lot of ridiculous stuff on Heat Twitter, so to speak, which is basically – a hundred people talking to each other and lately talking at each other, talking over each other, uh, getting frustrated with each other. And sometimes we make too much of it. And I also don't want to get overly political tonight. So this is not a political statement on my part, but obviously the elections were tonight and Florida played out the way it played out. Uh, this guy was my producer at 790 for a little bit when 790 used to exist. 
uh, Eric Lawson. I don't know if everybody's familiar with him, but you can follow him at Lawson. This tweet just crossed my timeline, though, and I can tell you this is how – I'm just telling you for the Heat front office that listens to this podcast, this is how a lot of Heat fans were speaking to me last night, okay, and on Twitter. Running it back with washed-up candidates without making adjustments, who do Florida Democrats think they are the Miami Heat? That I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to make political statements about the Florida Democratic Party or anything else along those lines. But I'm just saying that is a perception that's out there that if you are politically inclined, you kind of know what he's speaking to. Okay, in this particular state. Um, But that is how people are starting to feel about this heat season, whereas they're looking at the Dolphins and I know circumstances are different. But they're seeing them trade, you know, half a draft for Tyree Kill and go get Bradley Chubb and do all these other things. It just feels like one franchise is attacking it right now. And the other one was kind of hoping that things would still be okay with this group. Right now, they don't look okay. Not over with. We're not even 20 games into the season, but it's trending in a way that you and I suppose that we are the optimists, right? The sunshine pumpers. We got to acknowledge it. It just, it, doesn't feel right right now. They got to get these two against Charlotte. Then maybe we have a different conversation. All right. For Greg Sylvander, for our sponsors, uh, prize picks, use the code 5FIVE. Therapist Preferred, Manscaped, Better Edge, use the code 5RSN, get your discounts. And also, Eric Rubenstein, if you need a personal injury attorney, reach out 954 829 ERIC. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.